Hey, ¿qué pasa, Calexico? Welcome back to the podcast. Uh, like always, before we begin, I want to thank a couple of people. Uh, I want to thank my anchor sponsors. I want to thank Sergio, Camilo, Jake, Dylan. I want to thank Dents on Border, Sergio Stacos, and David Gastelum. Thank you guys for sponsoring the podcast. Um, and today, you know, th this this um, episode is, you know, been uh, been been being planned since you know before the pandemic and then pandemic hit and you know just we were just talking about it how crazy it is all the things that have happened in the last nine months um but today my guest is melissa lizarraga and she is from the cancer research center of the desert thank you for finally taking this time and <laughs> and being on with me thank you for the invitation it's good to be here Um, before we begin, can you tell us a little bit about yourself and then, you know, what is it that you do for the Cancer Research Center of the Desert? Sure. So I was born and raised here in the Valley. I'm originally from Hopeville. Um, I have a master's in social work. I graduated from San Diego State um, here in Calexico in 2017. And during my last year in my master's program, I started volunteering or I was an intern at uh, the Cancer Research Center of the Desert. And after that, I just got hired here. So that's how I'm ended up here. Um, so currently, I'm the assistant director for the Cancer Resource Center of the Desert. So it's a little bit of the administrative role, but also um, providing social services specifically to cancer patients. Okay. Um, and I was reading um, your guys' mission statement or mm -hmm. just who, who you guys are. Um, and at first, you know, I said, uh, I read... Um, You guys provide patient um, navigation, and for some reason, you know, I thought that it was like transportation, but it's more—it's more than. I mean, it, it might be part of what, things that you do, but um, you know, I think I think that um, most of us here in the valley have had somebody that's been affected by you know cancer, and mm -hmm. you know, just the fact of uh, you know dealing with you know that you know that disease is is super hard, so. Um, yeah, like, yeah. you know, that the, the word navigation is really, um, you know, really important in, in the sense that, you know, you have these people that are not probably not thinking right because of, you know, the the sense of having to deal with with mm -hmm. a family member themselves with, you know, the disease, you know, navigation is really, really, you know, keyword. It's it's it hits the spot. Um, but can you tell us a little bit about what the Cancer Research Center does? Yeah, so patient navigation, um, it's a term that we use, but really there's a lot of other individuals that use that, that use that same word to define their services. Ours is very focused that we like to call it clinical patient navigation services, simply for the fact that all of us here, we all have a master's in social work. So the caliber of our services is a little bit different than that of somebody else. Um, with keeping that in mind, what we do is, In short, it's just removing barriers to the patients and their families so that they can continue with their treatment or even begin and seek out that treatment. So that can include financial barriers, um, helping them apply for different resources like Social Security, state disability insurance. Um, also, there's a lot of times that people come in here, they don't have insurance, they're uninsured. So we help them with processing their medical application or maybe seeing if Covered California is an option for them, and we refer to, you know, the proper individual to help them with that. Um, same thing, the biggest part is the emotional support to the patient and the family, because, of course, going through cancer, 
is very difficult, not only for the individual, but everybody else around them. And like you said, sometimes they don't understand their diagnosis. Um, you know, everybody, they if they're diagnosed with cancer, the first thing is I'm going to die. And sometimes that prevents them from truly understanding what their diagnosis is, what their treatment options are, um, helping them make decisions, informed and educated decisions for their treatment, for surgeries, um, helping them even to get to a primary care physician, helping them access oncology care, helping them access specialty care. So all in all, it's just support to that individual and the families to help them get to their cancer treatment. And in that, there's also transportation services. Um, we do provide gas cards to patients whether they're coming here or they're going over to San Diego or out of county, um, we do help them with that. We also leverage whatever resources are available here in our county or even within their own insurance because sometimes they don't understand how their insurances work, what insurance uh, can offer them, transportation services, liquid nutrition. So it's about educating and empowering that person to work with us and also help themselves in the process of it. Yeah, because um, you know, you, you're all these things that you're mentioning. Um, you know, it's really, I guess, once once you're in that situation, you really don't know, um, you know, everything that goes behind it. You know, just accepting the fact that you have cancer can be really hard, and then you know, taking the steps to, you know, if you, you know, fight it, you know, fight the disease, and and making sure that, you know, you have all the resources, and 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 a lot of times, you know, we. We like I have insurance, and you know, I mean, I don't know everything that everything. Yeah, and I have you know, I I buy extra stuff. I know I have a cancer plan, and and I don't really know what it is. I just know that I pay for it. But I'm <laughs> sure, like if I if I would go to you guys, you guys would know, like, oh, you know, you have this, 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 and this, and 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 it's really important to, like I said, because you know, accepting the the you know, accepting the fact that you have it, you have this disease, you know, um you know, can, you know, really, you know, put you in a spot where like you're in, in this, uh, get tunnel vision. Yeah. Like mm -hmm. you don't, you don't want to know anything else. You just want to maybe like hide away and, you know, not deal with it. But, you know, mm -hmm. there's, I'm, you know, I'm glad that there's, um, cause you guys are a nonprofit, right? Yes. We're a nonprofit. So mm -hmm. the, there's a nonprofit like you guys that, you know, are, are there to help, you know, yeah. especially here in the Valley. I think we've, we've, with the pandemic, we've realized, the discrepancies in you know in um you know insurances you know or 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 uh, you know the um wealth like the money people have to pay for medical bills uh medicines treatments so you know i know that you know you guys um are there to kind of like pinpoint where people can go and and get these these um you know these resources and then mm -hmm. that's you know the, the name in in in, in your uh, nonprofit resource center. So, I mean, yeah, it's, 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 it's in the name, right? <laughs> yes. But it's funny because a lot of people don't even know about us. Um, before the pandemic, uh, we would accept walk-ins. So you didn't need an appointment to come in here. You know, you can just pretty much walk in. So it was very common that a individual would go to their doctor's appointment and they were just told like, Hey, you have cancer. Um, go to this place and they're going to help you. And sure enough, like they didn't even know what they were coming in for. 
And it's really on us to kind of sit down with them. And that's where we do our full assessment. You know, are they working? If they're not, why are they eligible for to pay their bills? Because especially in our community, it's work first all the time. Everybody, I think everybody is such a hard worker here. Um, so if they don't have any money to feed their families and keep a roof over their head, they will forego treatment and just be like, I don't want to do it because then I can't work. So that's really where we come in with helping them make decisions like, no, there is an option. You can apply for disability or we can look into Social Security to see what you qualify for. Um, there's different options. And I think that's um, the strength in our agency is that we are all very knowledgeable in how these systems operate. You know, here with Department of Social Services, we have a great relationship with them. So we're able to process Medi-Cal's fairly quickly. Um, and we also know the, the ins and outs of a lot of the programs. So, you know, where a person may come in and they're like, well, I don't qualify for Medi-Cal. It's like, no, hold on. <laughs> let's first look at your entire picture. Let's see how you're set up and then let's move forward with the plan. So we're very skilled at thinking very, very fast and it's all up here. <laughs> There's there, none of this is taught in school. Um, so really we've all learned as we've been here and the biggest teachers have been our patients, our community, because every case is different. There's not a case that's just identical to another. So, you know, every single person that we help, we learn something new. So that's kind of, I think, you know, now um, with our name being thrown around in the community a lot, um, a lot of fundraisers that people in the community have put on for us this year, people are learning more and more about our agency and we're like a little hidden treasure <laughs> here in the county where even, you know, the social workers at UCSD, they're getting to know us a lot, a lot better. So they will refer directly the patients. If a patient from Imperial County is being seen over there, they will send in a referral for that person and they know how, they at least know where to send that person so that they can get the services that they need here. Do you know um, how it started, how the Cancer Research Center started? So CRCD was first established in 2006, and it was established by uh, Diana Peacher, who is actually our board director. Um, and then came in Helen Palomino, who's our current CEO. Um, she, I know she started off as a volunteer because she was um, a student intern at UCSD Morse Cancer Center. So she was seeing a lot of um, patients from Imperial County being seen over there and lacking a lot of the resources that, you know, were needed. Just transportation, you know, getting over the hill is a big task for a lot of people. They may not have a car or they have a car and that car doesn't work or they have a car and nobody is available to drive them. So little by little, she started realizing the huge need for services. So by that time, CRCD was already established but with only one staff and then I think a couple of other volunteers. And then once uh, Helen became a social worker, then she, that's when she started with CRCD and then slowly it just started building up and building up. So since 2006, we've been able to provide services for at over 2,800 community members and that's including children as well. Mm -hmm. We're the only agency here that helps children. Yeah, that was, that was one of my questions, you know, is it only for adults or um, children as well? 
anybody, pretty much our only requirements for our services is that you live in Imperial County and that you have cancer. That's it. That's our only, you know, eligibility requirement to access our services. Okay. And there's, because for some reason I thought it was like, you know, you would have to make, uh, be like low income or, you know. No, no, we help out people who have zero income with people who make over a hundred thousand dollars. It doesn't matter because no matter what your income is, you're always going to need some sort of help, whether it's, you know, communicating with your doctors or pushing through an insurance need or even getting a gas card or two so that you can go to your treatment in San Diego or go to your treatment, you know, here in Imperial County. Um, that's the biggest misconception is that we only provide services for people who are low income, but that's not it. We provide services for everybody mm. no matter what um i was actually gonna wear my shirt um i, I got a shirt from Quint, um, quinton and sweet orange you know they donated mm -hmm. um i think it was like a thousand bucks um like a couple of weeks ago for the october um cancer awareness um because we were mentioning about um fundraisers you guys have you know you're kind of um famous for the is it lilies that you guys uh, that's the like desert the, lily that's yeah. like your biggest um or the, that's our yeah it's our it's one of our signature fundraisers which was hit by covid um the day of our first delivery is when the stay at home orders took place so there is six seven of us as staff And we would always have a lot of volunteers with delivering because these are over, a, I think it was over a thousand bouquet of flowers that have to be delivered. Um, so a lot of our um, volunteers, they're parents, so they couldn't leave their children. So we had to just kind of scramble. Uh, good thing we have a good, very uh, generous community. So we were able to rally a bunch of uh, fundraising. Uh, bunch of volunteers to help us with the deliveries on the first time. The second time, um, I believe it was the Imperial County Fire Department that helped us with deliveries because we had a massive order on the second delivery that it just couldn't be done by just six or seven of us. So they were able to help us out and it, oh my God, it helped out so much because at the same time, we're not closing our center. We're still seeing patients. So I think they trip out a little bit because they see us usually nicely dressed. And then that, those two weeks, it's sweatpants, it's <laughs> leggings, it's shoes, we're running around. Um, but yeah, that's one of our signature fundraisers that we still were able to do pretty well on it. Despite COVID, um, the schools is usually where our biggest sales are at. And a lot of the schools were going to wait until the second delivery to place their orders, which didn't take place because of covid but we were still able to make it work with what we had <laughs> yeah because i think that's where i first saw that uh the fundraiser because i work at calexico high school so mm -hmm. that's where i first um saw the flyer for the for the lilies and um and i i, I also talked to um what's his name uh um he's from starts with arts yes david by yeah the way. Yeah, yeah. And I, I heard your guys' podcast. It was really good. Yeah, and you know, it seems like a lot of people in the community are always, you know, um, trying to help. And I mean, especially being a nonprofit, you know, the community mm -hmm. is big, a big part of of you guys. You know, mm -hmm. being able to run your your nonprofit. 
can you tell us a little bit about other other people or agencies in the valley that kind of help out with you know fundraising yeah so um the i did mention we work with children so um our partner in that is halos and tiaras um they are also a nonprofit organization they were established out of hopeville and it all started because of um kaylin Iten, who was diagnosed with ewing sarcoma I believe she was three years old when she was first diagnosed. And her grandmother, Robin Eiton, was actually the founder of Halos and Tierras. And her mission was just to push for pediatric cancers, raise awareness on it. Um, and they started this organization where they have an annual golf tournament and different little fundraisers throughout the year as well. They do a poinsettia fundraiser. Um, I think they just concluded and they sold out. So all that money is fundraised for the children. So we do all the case management for them, making sure that they're getting to their treatment, um, communicating with their schools, establishing 504 and IEP plans when needed. Um, and then HALOS really comes in uh, for that family when they're first diagnosed. They have to be up in San Diego because they obviously cannot get treated here. They have to be in, at Brady's. So the family is, you know, sometimes it's too late to get um, housing at the Ronald McDonald house or lodging at the Ronald McDonald house. So they have to stay in a hotel that gets very expensive. So Halos is able to help immediately provide that financial assistance for that family. Um, and then little by little, we start looking for additional grants. So they are one of the, um, our biggest partner whenever it comes to providing services directly to our patients. Um, David uh, Varela and Anitra Parrish from Starts With Arts. Dave um, also provided so much assistance, especially with COVID. They brought us so many masks, not only for our patients, but also for us as staff. Um, we didn't have anything at first, so everybody was scrambling, I think. Um, so they did, they did amazing. They sent us gloves. They sent us, I think, also hand sanitizer and a bunch of masks. Um, and then throughout the years as well, they've also done, you know, um, bicycle drives for our patients. They've done back to school haircuts and backpacks for them, um, not only for our child patients, but also for um, adult patients who have minor children, because some of those things they can't, you know, a new backpack is probably $20, $30 that can be money to use to go to their treatment sometimes. Um, so they've helped us out a lot. Um, also, I'm trying to think because there's been a lot of people this year who have fundraised for us. Um, Gina Varela, also from the Varela Art Collective, um, she fundraised some money for us back in May, I believe. And then she also did another art auction um, for the month of September for children specifically. And that raised about $555, I believe, strictly for a center. Um, you know, there's um, also, start, uh, where the, where's the Valley you know, or the guys with the, oh, team? where's the Valle? Yes. The Valle. Lambert Soto from where's the Valle. He just brought in, I think it was like a $700 check and he did all t-shirts and hats, uh, raising awareness for breast cancer. Um, and that was directly donated to CRCD. Um, Nicole Elmore, she used to be a trainer at a 413 as well. Um, she now started her own, uh, it's called Faith and Fitness Wellness, I believe. I probably botched the <laughs> name, um, but it's Nicole Elmore, and she just did a candlelit uh, vigil and a raffle for us. 
And I believe it was $2,400 that she fundraised. Mm -hmm. And they did an amazing job. Um, The sheriff's department also, they are doing their No Shave November right now. Um, So we've been getting some of that fundraising in. And that's spearheaded by Jessica Romero and um, Sergeant Massad, I believe, from the sheriff's department. And um, the Imperial Police Department, actually the city of Imperial, but the Imperial Police Department spearheads it as well. They're also doing No Shave November. And last year they were able to fundraise, I think, like $1,500. So their goal is to go higher this year. So that's been all the fundraising that's been going on for CRCD. And we've also applied um, for some grants that um, have been available due to COVID. Um, We were given uh, from the Ivy Wellness Foundation, I want to say $100,000, probably a little bit over. Um, And then we also had a huge um, grant as well from Katie Santillan from the Sonia Karina. Sonia Corina, sorry, um, company, and it was about $70,000 as well. So, you know, COVID did hit and it put all our fundraising at a halt, but our community has been extremely generous in, you know, making sure that our center keeps our doors open because that's pretty much how we're funded is through fundraising, donations, and grants and research projects. That's how we keep our doors open. Mm. Yeah, and, and like you said, like you know, you give you know patients gas gas money, um, hotel. I mean, all that can can get pretty pretty expensive and mm-hmm. you know costly. Um, wh- where are you guys located? We are located in El Centro. Our address is four forty four South Eighth Street, Suite B three in El Centro, and we're located inside the Valley Professional Center. Oh, okay. Yeah, mm-hmm. because I, I've I've never, um, you know, normally, you know, you drive around and you see, you know, the offices. Signs. Uh, but you're kind of, um, kind of. We're hidden. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, if, if, you know, obviously a lot of the community, um, like we're talking, is, is, is helping you guys out. But like, if more people want to help or volunteer, like, what are some of the things that they can do to to help maybe um, if they can help monetarily, like volunteer wise, what, what are some of the things that the community can do? Um, I guess, well, first things first is just inform if they know anybody who is going through cancer that may need assistance or even if they feel like they don't, they're always, you know, they're more than welcome to provide them with our information or even call us and say, hey, you know what, so-and-so is going through this cancer currently and they're needing assistance can you please follow up with them um because of covid um our volunteer program is a little bit you know at a halt um just because of safety we have to be mindful of who we're around and and all that stuff because our patients are immunocompromised uh but even like um the big thing is also Uh, providing liquid nutrition for our patients. So even like if they were to want to donate some of that for our patients or masks or PPE pretty much in general, um, that's always welcome. And all they have to do is give us a call and we'll, you know, set up an appointment for them to come in and then they can drop off their stuff. Okay. Um, You you said about the, um, you know, your cancer patients being more, you know, prone to, um, if they get mm-hmm. COVID, you know, they're, they're, 
you know more susceptible to like get um severe symptoms um how has how has covid changed you know the way you interact with patients and you know your day-to-day um you know Mm -hmm. uh, routine um we've usually been very mindful of having germix and um wipes even prior to covid just because they are immunocompromised um so we always had that precaution and that safety for them and for us as well but now um like i said there's no more walk-ins um we have to make an appointment and we have to screen as well um we ask them you know if they've been in contact with anybody who has been positive for covid if um they themselves have been having any symptoms um all of our cancer patients if they're in treatment they're getting covid tested on a regular basis so i believe it's a 72 hour prior to their next treatment that they're uh, being requested to have a test. So normally on their end, they're fine. And they're really good about taking care of themselves because they're immunocompromised. Um, as far as patient interaction goes, it's everything is by schedule. And even uh, when we meet with the patient, we have a plexiglass in front. We have our mask on, we have hand sanitizer on both sides of the plexiglass. Um, sanitize everything before and after that person comes and goes um yeah just pretty much taking those precautions and we also have like these little uv lights to sanitize the rooms so we'll turn them on at the end of the you know as of the of the day so that the whole room is able to be sanitized oh i've i haven't i mean i've heard of the the uv lights but i've never seen you know one actually being used i mean i see them on tv yeah. but not not like in an office how does it yeah, how does it they're, they're like little ones and then we also have one that um, we can sanitize the actual documents so with the uv light we'll we'll go through their ids and all that stuff whenever we take copies of them and and all that oh, that's mm-hmm. crazy you know all these things that we now have to do i mean hopefully hopefully um because you know we, we're talking about the vaccine and a lot of people are kind of afraid of vaccines as it mm-hmm. is um so hopefully, you know, we can someday get back to where we don't have to do all these little, little things that, you know, we have all to do. Yeah, it's so crazy. Um, so is there anything that else that you would like to, you know, talk about that, you know, I didn't ask you or, or bring up? Yeah, so um, we, a lot of people don't know this about our agency, but we do a lot of um, research projects as well. We're involved in research with UCSD, um, University of San Francisco as well. Um, and we've been published as well in the um, oncology journal, I want to say. Um, but all the publications and everything is on our website too. So this is giving our community a voice because we are um, underserved. There is a lack of resources here. So doing these research projects gives our community a voice as to what the needs are. There, It's more on the um, behavioral and psychological um, part of research. So it's not like, hey, what causes cancer? It's more so, hey, this person has cancer. How are they being mentally and emotionally affected and what types of interventions are available to them for that? So we we've been involved in a lot of research and we're still moving forward with it despite COVID. Yeah, and and, and something that you mentioned that's pretty um interesting is that all of all you said all of you are 
have masters, masters. In, in in what was it uh in social work social work and that's i think that's really um you know important in the sense that you know you you know how to talk to people um especially you know when they're down and all these things that you know go when when you know you you have something like this that mm -hmm. you know often people like they hear cancer and it's like oh no i'm gonna die and, and that's mm -hmm. not naturally the case all the time but yeah you, i mean it's it's a it's really um um kind of like it, it makes you like uh kind of like be more trustful in the sense that you know all these people are you know well educated they know how to talk to people they know what they're doing um not that you know other places don't but i'm just saying that you know like knowing that you guys have masters is like you know you guys know what you're really really doing and and it's important mm -hmm. it's important when especially like i said when people are in, in that that situation and that set mind mindset where like they might be down and I mm -hmm. want to like go through with treatment and and yeah it's, it's uh, I mean I, I've I personally haven't had you know uh, family members have to deal with this but I know friends that passed away from it and and yeah it's it's really sad that um especially you know when um when somebody's like super young and they leave kids mm -hmm. behind it's like it's really really sad and I'm I'm sure I don't know if you guys still have contact with you know patients uh, family members after if, if, if they don't we do um there's times that they you know it, they're going through grief and it's it's normal nobody really there's no book on telling you how to deal with it um but there's times that you know we were we're not only involved with the patient but we're also heavily involved with the family so we establish rapport really quickly just because of the helping nature of the service So I think when when you develop that type of relationship, they see us as a trusted source. So they know they're coming in here and they're going to get the help that they need. Or even if it's just, hey, you know what? I feel like crap today. I can't even handle today. I need to come in. They can come in and they know that we're here to just listen. It's not even so much about what you say. It's just about being there for that individual while they're going through one of the worst times of their life. So I think that's what separates our agency. We're able to really establish rapport really quickly. At the same time, we know how to have healthy boundaries and healthy enough for us to be able to provide services for them. Because it is, uh, obviously, we're human and you see this person breaking down in front of you. You're not going to just be, you know, stone cold. Obviously, it, it, you really get involved with the families, but we are very aware of how to be, how to have that healthy boundary so it doesn't blind us from what the goal is and it's to help that individual and the family. Yeah. So yeah, it, it does take a toll sometimes, but we're here to help and we're here to assist. And we have a good team here in the office. Um, we have um, a great support system within ourselves, within the staff. If, you know, I got done with a case and it was, brutal i know i can go talk to any of the girls and they're going to listen and vice versa so i like to call us one big brain <laughs> we, we're all one big brain here um if there's something that i don't know i can go to any of the other girls and they'll have a solution so we work very very well as a team that's the thing whenever somebody comes in here they're not just getting one person they're getting everybody because everyone works on the case together if we get stuck on something 
somebody else in the group is bound to know <laughs> the answer. And if not, we we work very fast to figure it out. So I think that's that sets us apart from other agencies, aside from the fact that there really is no other agency like ours. Um, it's ran by social workers and social workers are the ones providing that service to our community. And we're all bilingual. That's another thing. Everyone here is bilingual. So when they come in, it doesn't matter if they're monolingual or they're bilingual, we will figure out a way to help them. Yeah. And I think, you know, social workers are, you know, they, they go through a lot and, and, you know, they're kind of like behind, you know, behind back doors, you know, they do a lot and, and go through a lot, you know, they, they deal with, you know, patients with cancer or, or kids that are being treated or, or, or women that are being abused or, you know, all these things that are going on in, in, in our community. And, you know, we, we hardly, especially because they, I feel that, you know, cause I have friends that are social workers and a lot of times they don't really want to talk about it because, you know, we're having a drink or whatever and they don't really want to go back to that world. You know, it's kind of hard to like, you know, kind of like, leave work at work especially when it's something that you know the, the things that you guys deal with um mm-hmm. you mentioned your team do you want to you know kind of like mention who who else is in the team and kind of shout them out and, and yeah of course um so i mentioned helen palomino she's the ceo she's also a licensed clinical social worker um so she's the one that spearheads this whole thing um then there's me we also have a die Urias. She's also, um, she has her master's in social work as well. She wears many hats. (laughs) She does, you know, a lot of our administrative stuff as well as the patient navigation part of it. Um, And she also works closely with the children. We all do. Um, And then we also have um, Nayeli Gonzalez, who's also a patient navigator. She's a master's. She just got her master's this past May from San Diego State. Um, We have Leticia Aiton who is also one of our other um, master's level social workers. And we have um, Terry Swing, who's also our certified patient navigator. So that's the team right now. Um, We all, like I said, we all work very well together. Um, Yeah, we're one big brain (laughs) here. And were you ever, were you always, you know, wanting to go into social work or is it something that just happened when you were volunteering it? Um, I I knew I wanted to help people. I didn't know in what. I used to work in education for, I think I want to say like seven years. I worked also at Calexico High School. Oh, really? <laughs> I worked at Hopeville High School for um, both CalSOAP and um, the Imperial Valley Mesa program. So I was more on the academic side of things. Um, I didn't get into social work until I did, I think I volunteered for about a month or two at the case management department at Pioneers. Um, so that's kind of where I got my start into social work. And I'm like, all right, well, this sounds pretty cool. I kind of want to do this as a living. Um, and never once did I think I was ever going to be in cancer because I had um, family members who have passed away from cancer and also friends who have been affected by cancer. So to me, when I got asked, hey, do you want to be placed there? I was like, nah, I don't want to do that. I don't want to deal with that. That's really hard. Um, but it was the only option. And it, it, it turned out to be the best option for me um, because I completely fell in love with this work. Um, the patients, the families that we serve. I mean, I was scared at first because I didn't know what to do. 
but you just figure it out as you go. And, and the patients really, they're, they're our teachers. They, they teach us everything that we need to know. So that's, yeah. that's kind of how I got in here. <laughs> oh, that's crazy. Yeah. Cause mm-hmm. I mean, like I said, you know, it's not, it's not an easy job. Um, no. There's a lot that you guys deal with, I bet. And, and, you know, I don't know, like people that, that I know that are, that were always like, Oh yeah, I want to be a social worker. It's like, you know, kudos to you, but um, yeah, I don't, I don't know. I, I don't think I could deal with it. Um, it's, and especially because I, I mean, I'm an emotional guy. Um, yeah. I, I cry a lot. So I don't know, <laughs> I don't know if I could, uh, you know, I don't know how much I would handle it. Or yeah, like how much help I would be to, to a patient when I'll probably be the one, the first one crying. <laughs> That's the rule. You don't break down in front of a patient, but I think um, working here, I shocked myself because I thought to him, like, oh my God, I'm going to break down if somebody's coming to me and they're crying. Because I think if you're an empathetic person, you you can feel that other person's pain if they're you know, crying to you or they're telling you how they're feeling or what they're going through. You can literally feel the emotion from that person. But I think that's where we're so skilled in really having that healthy boundary of you don't go down with that person you really you listen you engage you take it in and then you're like okay this is what we're gonna do and then after once you're done then that's when you you know you debrief with the team and if you need to cry you need to cry um but yeah it it definitely is a, a difficult job um to do but it's very rewarding very very rewarding at the same time yeah. So I'm very, I'm very grateful I ended up here, even though I didn't want to <laughs> at first. Um, but yeah, it's it's a great place to be. And it's mainly because of the support system that we have here. I think if we weren't all in sync with one another and we, we weren't as supportive of each other as we are, it would be very difficult to get through the day. But um, I mean, I, I love it here. I love the patients that I work with. I love the families that we work with and helping our community, you know, get access to healthcare. You know, it's, it's amazing whenever you first start working with a patient and they're coming to you and they're, they have nowhere, no idea of how to start or what to do. And then a couple months later, they come to you and they're like, Hey, I, I just finished treatment. I'm in remission. And you see the cycle of them coming in, you know, being very distraught because of the diagnosis, going through the side effects of treatment, losing their hair, you know, all the different changes that goes on for them and then then coming in and doing a lot better i think that's that's super rewarding do you think it's uh um you know um what's the word i'm trying to look for on purpose that it's all women on your team <laughs> um i don't think so um it's not like we're like, hey, you only got to be a chick and this is the only requirement that you need to work here. Um, we've had male interns before and they've done a great job at, you know, handling the patient load. Um, it's not like, oh, they're men. They're not going to be able to speak to, you know, a female patient. Um, I mean, it's just kind of happened that we're all <laughs> women that that are working here. Um but no, we, we've had male uh, interns and volunteers in the past, and they've done a great job at working with our patients. It's I think you just have to have the heart for it to work here. 
and have that um, mental toughness or that strength to just keep going, even though you're like, oh my God, I don't even know what to do. or I don't even know where to start. Um, that's what we're very good at, just guiding each other and helping each other out. It's yeah, now that awesome. now that I think about it, the peop the people that I know that are social workers are all women as well. So I don't know. I think it's it, it does have to do that the fact that um the nurturing part. Yeah, I think that's a huge part of you know being a social worker and and dealing with you know the stuff that that you guys deal with because uh, I don't know as a man um I don't know you know looking at my kids you know you know whenever they need you know some some loving they go with mom not with. <laughs> So and I feel that you know a, a big part of you know being a social worker dealing with cancer patients, uh, kids, um, you know, women are are more, uh, you know, it, it comes more naturally to to women than it does to men. That's interesting. Yeah, I never I mean, thought, of, but yeah, there. I mean, majority. Even I remember looking back in like our classrooms, majority was women. I think there was probably like. 10 guys in a class of like 25, 30 people. Yeah, it's a it's a very low number, but the the men that I've seen here, you know, handle the patients and everything. They they do a really good job. Yeah, because and I mean, I'm not saying that, you know, <clears throat> men can't do it, but cuz yeah, you do have men, I have friends that are, you know, they have different relationships with their kids or or kids mm -hmm. in general than, you know, I do because you know, I don't know. They 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 just react differently with kids or, or or just i mean not not because it's kids but they have a a different sense of you know uh showing emotion showing love and all these things that maybe a lot of us don't um maybe there's that's why there's more women than men in in this field i mean i'm just guessing i'm not don't quote me on you know more <laughs> men being and more women being in this field than, than men but but yeah, I I, I kind of um, it's noticeable that you know more women are in this mm -hmm. field than than, than men. Um, so we're almost at forty five minutes. Is there anything else that you would like to you know talk about that about the what is it? What's the acronym CRCD? I don't think so. I think we covered a bunch of stuff. Um, I mean, just some stats from this year. Um, I thought we were going to slow down because of COVID, but um, that hasn't been the case so far. We've served, we've provided services to 357 individuals just this year. Um, and, you know, in our services, we've been able to mitigate uh, $330,000 for our community. So that can be, you know, maybe the insurance didn't build properly and now they're billing the patient or we were able to help that individual access social security or any other form of um, financial source. Um, that's, that's that money that's accounted for. And I know there's still, that number is a lot larger, than, but that's what we have right now as far as reporting. Um, grant assistance, um, like I mentioned before, we did get um, two different grants, actually three different grants this year. Um, to be provided specifically for individuals, um, for our patients. So from that, we're at, like at a total of $85,000. And that's in form of cash cards, um, assistance with rent and utilities. So, you know, it's it's a whole, whole wraparound service that we provide here. It's making sure that all needs are met. And of course, we're not the do-all for the patients. You know, we leverage our community as well. Um, spread the love has been uh, huge in helping a lot of our patients 
Um, United Way has also been big in helping a lot of our patients. Uh, Department of Social Services, Social Security, all those different agencies that are here in our county, they've been able to provide a, a lot of assistance for our patients. So we were very good at leveraging and we're very good at just acting really fast and making sure that that individual needs are met 100%. Yeah. Yeah. And, and um, you know, kudos to everybody that, you know, works with you guys and you guys being, being able to communicate and and because sometimes I think, um, you know, that that communication is where a lot of people get stuck when it comes to filling out paperwork or getting mm-hmm. bills paid. And especially in our community where we're like, ah, but no me contestaron, you know, you know, I'm not going to call them uh, back or no me contestan. Oh, no, we're like, no me contestaron, voy a hablar como cinco veces más. Yeah. <laughs> so que me contesten. yeah. No, we, we push a lot. So, you know, even if it, it's the patient needing to make a phone call, um, having to fill out paperwork, whatever it is that they're needing that pertains to their cancer, we're here to provide that assistance. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, um, thank you again for, you know, uh, taking this time again. And um, I know early, even today I was like, oh, no, we're going to miss it again um, in the morning. I know. <laughs> that thing went to spam. It's <laughs> crazy. Um, but yeah, I want to thank you again. And I want to thank, you know, everybody that, you know, you mentioned that helps and, and even those that we didn't, we didn't mention, um, I want to thank them for, for being part of CRCD. Um, you know, it's like I said, I, I mean, I kind of knew about, you know, you guys, but I didn't know the extent of all the things that you do. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I want to thank you again because it's, it's a lot of work and it's, mm-hmm. it's hard work. Um, and not everybody, you know, takes the time and, and, and the dedication to do it. Um, like you said, there's not a lot of uh, resource centers like you guys. Mm-hmm. Um, and hopefully, you know, somebody in another county listens to this and they're like, you know what, we're going to start one like this one. Yeah. Um, and, and yeah, you know, thank you for, for what you do. Thank you for the time. Um, and I want to invite everybody to, to follow your social media because uh, that's a good way to find out when fundraisers are going on, um, how to help, um, especially when COVID's over. You know, mm-hmm. you guys will in need, be, be in need of volunteers that people can come by and, and help you guys out. Um, and yeah, that's the end goal for me. It's you know, you know, put people out there like you guys and and make sure that people know that you're there if, in case they need the help. Um, like if you're a cancer uh, patient, in case you need the help. They're there for you guys, and if you're somebody that's wanting to help the community, you know, CRCD is is a good way to help also the community. So, um, yeah, um, thank you again. Thank you for for your for your time. Um, thank you for redoing this uh, <laughs> with me. Um, I really appreciate it. Um, and anything else? No, just I just want to thank you for um, giving us this platform so that we can provide some information on our services because. It's so broad and yet so specific at the same time um, that I I just hope our community, you know, accesses us whenever they need it. Um, and they're not scared to seek our services. You know, it's completely free. It's at no cost to the patient. So take advantage while we're here, you know, if, if it's needed. Um, but yeah, I just want to say thank you to you. And hopefully, you know, I think you're doing a great job at bringing awareness to all the resources that are here in our county for everybody to use. So I just want to say thank you for that. Uh, you're welcome. Um, all right, guys. Well, thank you so much for listening. Uh, make sure you stay safe, wear your face mask, wash your hands, social distance. 
Um, let's bring these numbers down because we're going up again. Um, it's not only in the county, it's all over the country, but I think we can do way better. Um, and it's on, in all of us to do it. Um, but yeah. All right, guys. Thank you so much for watching or listening. And um, we'll see you guys in the next one. Peace.